Sit down and buckle up. It's time for the Pirate Monk Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. Uh, hey, I'm Nate Larkin here with Aaron Porter. Uh, Aaron, uh, from what I understand, you are stranded at home right now because something momentous happened uh, in the life of your teenage son, your youngest boy. I, I am assuming the last episode is the one we recorded yesterday when I said tomorrow he's going to take his driver's test. And he did. <laughs> and he passed. <laughs> okay. So, All yes. Right. And then he took our one working car to school. Okay. I was a little, I was a little terrified because school traffic's like the worst, like leaving school, everyone's picking up. They're all, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. there's, there's a cop that's directing traffic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, at first I wasn't going to let him. And I thought, oh, what the hell? Go ahead. Knock yourself out. Try not to hit anyone. Well, Aaron, you know, it warms my heart uh, to hear what you just said. You said, uh, he has your one working car. This tells me you really have acclimated to Tennessee. Because uh, you have three car, three vehicles, uh, <laughs> yeah. but one of them runs. Now, what you need to do next, if you haven't done it yet, is you need to put one of them on blocks in the front yard. And <laughs> take the wheels off? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I believe that's called Dukes of Hazarding this shit. <laughs> uh, well, I, I think you are as... Uh, as much of a mechanic as I am, maybe you're, uh, maybe more. I am not no, much of a mechanic, brother. No, definitely not. But, but, um, what, and, but what makes I don't that, even try anymore. Hmm? What makes that worse is the fact that, like, I believe the fuel pump went out in one of the cars, which evidently, mm-hmm. especially with this car, it's not a super difficult fix, not a super expensive fix if you do it at home. And yeah. I know there are YouTube videos that I could yes. spend an entire day trying to work it out. And I might work it out, but it mm-hmm. would take me an entire day. I would be very yeah. frustrated. Yep. Um, back when the children were little, when I would do those kinds of things, uh, my ex-wife and I came up with a plan that she would take the kids to the park. That way I yeah. wouldn't have to worry about my language while mm-hmm. dealing with the fury of mm-hmm. inanimate objects. Yes. So, yes, uh, I hate that YouTube is just shameful because there's no reason I should pay someone else to do it, except that, you know, my heart can't handle that. Oh, uh, I am so with you. There was a day when I had absolutely no other option. Uh, if if I didn't fix it, there was no way it was ever going to get fixed. And so I had to learn how to change the water pump or put a new belt on, or I don't think I ever did a fuel pump. But now... Okay, I'm with you. Uh, something goes wrong with the cars. Uh, I need help getting it done. And uh, I said, uh, what I'm gathering is you don't have a lot of volunteer mechanics within your immediate uh, circle of acquaintances there. I don't know anybody anymore. That I have, I have said that so many times in the four and a half years I've been here, leaving mm-hmm. a county that I lived in for four decades. And yeah pastored two churches i knew somebody who knew a lot about everything everything yeah and then to come here and there's just little things that i'm like i'm trying to figure this out but man i wish i had a buddy that could come over we'll grab some lunch and then 
they can help me with this for 30 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm feeling you. So it's one of the weird benefits of community that I don't, I think goes a little bit unnoticed that it's supposed to have a practical side where I get to share my gifts with you and you share your gifts with me and it makes life go way easier. Yeah. Yeah. And as wonderful as uh, online community is, and the virtual meetings that we have in Samson and the fact that you can be guys from, uh, friends with guys from around the country and around the world, that is really wonderful. But when you need to change the fuel pump on your car, your best friend in freaking Albuquerque probably isn't <laughs> going to be able to help you, right? It's true. They'll just be yeah. frustrated being like, take just, well, FaceTime. I'll tell you how it goes <laughs> to go along. Yeah, then I'll then you'll get to witness the verbal backslidings. <laughs> um, I have actually used the FaceTiming. I really have on uh, an electrical issue with a friend because I am no electrician. Uh, the current scares me, uh, but it was something that absolutely had to be done. And uh, we did the FaceTime. We did the FaceTime. It worked. Uh, hey, we're actually going to uh, do a FaceTime with a guest. Uh, it's going to be a, 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 a virtual conversation with somebody who is not physically present with us. And Although only he, one state away. Okay, yeah. And uh, he's from Kentucky. I wonder if he has a car on blocks in his front yard. Well, we can only hope. Maybe we will find out when we come back here on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Hey, I want to jump in for a minute to say a word about our sponsor. Yes, it's true. We now have a sponsor on the Pirate Monk Podcast, and it's none other than LifeWorks Counseling. If you attended the National Retreat, Samson Society's National Retreat last year, then you already know that Roan and Eva and Roe Hunter are special people. A husband and wife and son, all of them licensed therapists, more than therapists, certified sex addiction therapists. Uh, When it comes to recovery from addiction and from betrayal trauma, these people really know the territory. They're Christians, of course. They're also Samson people. So whether you are interested in attending one of their intensives that they run periodically for Samson guys and for Sarah Society, or whether you would like to connect with them virtually for individual therapy, for couples counseling, or here's another option. If what you're really looking for is a recovery coach, they can actually connect you to somebody, not a licensed therapist, but an experienced coach through their peer-to-peer counseling program. To find out more, go to their website, lifeworks.ms that ms stands for mississippi Uh, that's where their three offices are located (laughs) but thanks to the magic of the world wide interweb they can help you no matter where you live that's lifeworks and their website again is lifeworks.ms And welcome back to the Pirate Monk Podcast. Hey, if you're a social media person, specifically if you're like a TikTok person, 
you may very well uh, resonate to this name and certainly to the song that has just gotten an awful lot of plays lately, Come Jesus Come. Stephen McWhorter is with us today. Stephen, welcome. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. It is good to have you. Okay, I know where I know where I have to start. Uh, from the t- actually before I even had kids, knowing that they would be stuck being pastors' kids, a pastors' kid, uh, I asked every person I met, random strangers anywhere, if I heard that they were a pastor or missionary child, I would ask them, "Hey, was that a good thing or a bad thing for you?" Over the, I actually just did this on Sunday. I met a random guy who had a, I still do it. My kids are grown, but I still have to ask the question. And with almost complete consistency, the answer was good or bad based on one thing. And that was whether or not their parent was the same as they were on Sunday as when they got home. So you, were a pastor's kid, and not just a pastor's kid. You, it was. It wasn't exactly that, right? It was more camps and events. What? Give us a little of the background, and then I want to ask you that same question: Was it good or bad for you, and why? Okay. Yeah. No, my dad was a traveling like evangelist, so you know he did Sundays and stuff. But it was a lot of camps, a lot of revivals, a lot of mm-hmm. you know uh, traveling primarily. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, most of my childhood was in all 50 states, you know, church camps really? and stuff, different stuff like that. Yeah, that was a lot, a lot of my childhood. And um, well, was it good or was it bad? Well, you know what? That's a, that's a loaded question because it was bad, but then it could have played a major part and likely did play a major part in why years later I still came to Jesus because, you know, Regardless of whether or not they meant it or not, uh, my mom is great, awesome. My dad, you know, ended up getting better. Don't get me wrong, but what I saw when I was a kid and what I saw in private were two totally different things. So mm-hmm. I wanted nothing to do with Jesus, as you know in my testimony. But Jesus is still real. So, <laughs> well, let's let's not so skip, my, let let's me, not skip let me, over that. No, part. we're not. We're not going to nope. skip. Just just one second. Okay. He's still real. So if yeah. you're a pastor's kid, you're a preacher's kid, we can blame our parents and we can say all these things. And at the end of the day, Jesus is still real. And despite all their flaws, he's still pounding through to get to you with love, with grace, with a, a destiny that is better than you can ever hope or imagine. Beautiful. Period. Period. Absolutely. Period. <laughs> the, the, ha- the hounds of heaven have not retired. Uh, okay, so t- so take me back through the, this is what I experienced as a kid, this is where it led me, and this is where redemption happened despite and because of what I experienced as a kid. Yeah, so like I said, you know, about my dad, uh, so what I saw, I wanted nothing to do with. So at 13, I started, you know, smoking marijuana, drinking, all that kind of stuff. By 15, it's cocaine, pills. I'm selling drugs. By the time I'm 17, I'm a full-out crystal meth addict. I'm using crystal meth for like over six years. Hate Christianity. You know, a lot of that has to do with my upbringing. You know, I just was like, ugh, 
if you, two things would happen if you mentioned the name Jesus around me. I was either going to cuss you out or knock you out. One of the two. It was a violent thing. It was it was crazy. And uh, there were people though praying for me. You know, praying for me to interceding in prayer. Um, like really emotionally, like deeply entrenched in prayer over me coming to Jesus. And um, so, you know, God was after me and I believe that there's power in that. I believe there's real, there's really something happening when you get on your knees and you pray for somebody and you actually go before the Lord and believe he's going to do what you can't. Um, So yeah, he's after me. And somebody came and gave me this book called the case for Christ by Lee Strobel. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. And I accepted it miraculously, you know, because I just told you how I felt about all that. So this is probably the part, the Red Sea moment in the whole story, even more than just the transformation. The fact that I accepted the book is a miracle. And mm-hmm. so I take the book. Fast forward, it's three o'clock in the morning. I'm reading this book in a room with no music playing. Uh, there's It's drugs on the side table next to me. It's, a you know, seemingly the most improbable place for someone to get saved. Um, but I always say it's the kindness of a very, very real, very real God to meet a wounded pastor's kid in a place untouched by the hands of man. Like, not that you can't get saved in a, in a church, not into that, but with me, he knew it had to be like this. So we begin to have this internal dialogue in this room. <laughs> and uh, I'm, he's like, Stephen, I'm real and I'm good. Um, what are you going to do about it? You know? And I'm just like, ah, God, I want to quit all this addiction, all this darkness, all this anger, all this depression I've known for so long. I want to, but I can't. And I meant it when I said I can't, because honestly, 11 years of addiction, it's pretty crazy. And I, I literally couldn't remember what it was like to be a little kid and like feel happy. You know, you know, when you're like a kid, Mm -hmm. you're just happy without having some kind of drug or something to make me feel happy. I'd forgotten what that was like. So the idea of me being someone else was not even on the, on my radar. And I just remember the Holy spirit speaking something into me that changed me for the rest of my life. It was Stephen, you won't do it. I'll do it. And uh, you know, that's that, you know, Ephesians saved by grace. This isn't something you could boast about, right? It was just that mm-hmm. moment where I went, I believe you. Like, like Christianity 101, I took God at his word. Like it says in John, the only work the Father asks of you is to believe. It's like, it's not I'm saved by grace and I'll take it from here. It's will I believe him when he says what he says? Will I actually believe it? And I believed it in that room at three o'clock in the morning. Like, I believe I'm breathing air right now and fell to my knees, gave my life to Jesus three o'clock in the morning. Uh, You know, I'd been around Christianity enough in my life to know what it was I was supposed to do. So I just fell to my knees. I literally quit everything overnight, which is offensive to some people, but take it up with Jesus when you get to heaven. Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, uh, I always encourage people though, because I speak at a lot of addiction recovery events, events throughout the, 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 country and overseas. And I always say in the gospels, Jesus never healed anyone the same way twice because every Mm -hmm. story has a purpose. And if it takes five times, six times with you and you fall at his feet, God's going to use that story to bring many people to him through it. So that that's the end. That's my story at a nutshell. I, I, I wanted to go back to a piece, but I think we have to address what makes that offensive to some people 
is because they could have been in churches that insist that if it's God doing some kind of work, that it doesn't require work. It is supposed to be immediate and complete and miraculous. And if it's not, if you still struggle, if you still desire, if you end up going to a, a group, that means you're not trusting God. And so I love that you're saying, oh, wait a minute, we're not putting how God has to do any of this, nor should people judge what you experienced any more than a church can tell them how they're supposed to experience this recovery. Yeah, a lot of those those conversations are um, distractions. Um, Some have validity to them, Um, Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, you know, um, he's real <laughs> and he's going to yeah. do what he wants to do. And he's going to offend us sometimes because his ways are not my ways. Therefore, you and I, short of saying Jesus is Lord and what we see in the Bible, um, we have to be real careful about saying it's always going to be this way or yeah, it's yeah. wrong. So, so um, Stephen, after you get this miraculous relief, and you're not the first guy to experience this. Uh, God does this, and he selects who he's going to do, uh, he's going to give it to. Um, I'm a little envious. I wish, I wish I'd gotten it the way you gotten it. You got it. I think God knew better than uh, to, to do that for me. I think I would have become, I mean, an even bigger asshole. Uh, it would have been, it would have been ugly. Uh, I would have been such a Pharisee if God had done that for me. I love your hat, by the way. Your hat says, Grateful department on it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, 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 you know, but let me ask you this. Did you have to find, after you get this miraculous release from yeah. the, uh, uh, comp- uh, the, the addictive destructive compulsions, did you have, were, did you still have to learn to navigate life differently? And were there, was there work to do on relationships afterwards? Great question. Yes. Um, 100%. Um, you know, uh, there were, um, there were plenty in, of emotional issues to, do you know what I mean? From just being an addiction mm-hmm. for so long that, that, that stuck around, but this mm-hmm. willpower that I never had before. And I mean, if you know me, it's like, mm-hmm. that's just definitely God, um, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, but there were other things, you know what I mean? That's like, it's, this is life we live in. Um, God's down here with us. Jesus is with us here in the, in the trenches, you know? Um, and for me, it was, there were lots of things that had to change. I mean, I lost almost every friend I had at that time because really they weren't real friends. Uh, they were around because we were doing drugs and, uh, some stuck, some stuck, some didn't. And, uh, yeah, I think it would have been really hard for me. There's no, I, I honestly, would would say pretty confidently for myself and i would encourage others to do this too that if you're gonna quit addiction and drugs i mean the last thing you should do is go back to a crack house and start hanging around a bunch of people unless you feel mm-hmm. like unless you're bringing a bunch of believers with you to like like mm-hmm. minister to people uh mm-hmm. let, let's there's there's common sense involved you know yeah um, so yeah so what what role did new community Play in this new life of sobriety and taking God at His word. I mean, yeah, a lot. You know, I had I, I started going to some churches and stuff and trying to navigate that. And of course, it plays a part. I think it's huge for anybody. Um, 
uh, <clears throat> sometimes you, you know, I'm not, Amer- I, I sometimes might come off as an anti-church establishment guy. I'm not that at all. I'm pro community in a big way. I believe there's zero perfect churches out there. Um, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of people that really do love Jesus and love you. And if you can get those people around you, your chances of running this race well exponentially increase. Um, there's just, you know, can you be with him when no one else is around? Yes, absolutely. But uh, we're not meant to run it alone. You know, it's pretty, pretty beautiful. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it played a part. Absolutely. So a, a weird part in the story, um, camp culture. You talk about growing up, being at all these camps and events, mm-hmm, which right? uh, sometimes get get picked on a bit. Like they're just emotional experiences when people are, you know, getting riled up and then rededicating their lives, coming to Christ. I I don't have a problem with that because throughout the Old Testament, God's like, here's these feasts. I want you to keep coming back and having these together experiences because you forget. So I don't have a problem with people going to a summer camp and a winter camp as high schoolers. I think adults would probably be served well to have certain moments that they gather with Christians. But then there is that emotionalistic side that can sometimes feel like, is is this just like amazing music that's getting me all in the mood to be close to Jesus? And so that can be weird. So you experience that. And then you came to a place where you were going to write worship songs and lead people in a way that was honest because it was coming out of your brokenness. It wasn't just, here's some words that I'll put together to make a worship song. Right. So, so just try to help me understand the mind and heart of the kid that saw it in possibly some inappropriate ways growing up and is now leading those moments and trying to be honest. Uh, I'll address one thing real quick. The, uh, cause I say this a lot to people, um, the emotional experience thing, um, you have emotions. Everyone has emotions. Yeah. There's no getting mm-hmm. rid of emotions. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, every single thing in your life, every single thing around you is constantly emotionally manipulating you. Everything. That's true. Yes. That's every true. single Absolutely. thing. The question is, what are you going to tune into? Yeah. To, to, to allow to shift you because I mean, whatever it is, movies, music, I don't care you're being affected by it. If you have zero emotions, you're probably a serial killer. So, I mean, let's just be honest about it. Uh, so there is that part of it. Yeah, sure. I, I always try to tell people, you know, Hey, tonight I, I pray tonight after you've left this room where all these people are getting saved and you're emotionally worked up, whatever. But that, point of the night where it's like you're laying your head down your pillow and turn the lights out and everything gets more real than it normally is. You know, you're like all those thoughts of I'm going to die someday, like that moment, you know, uh, that God would be more real to you in that moment than he is even now, you know, uh, to let people know that it's beyond just a moment. It's, it's forever with him. But, Mm -hmm. um, to come to you, the core, the crux of your question, uh, you know, I, I think I probably have done more looking back on my childhood experiences, looking past those broken things and seeing some redemption in it than I thought mm-hmm. I would. 
I, I think I carry less like, oh man, forget them. I'm going to do it right this time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I look mm-hmm. back and go, I'm probably doing it wrong right now in many ways. And in 20 years, somebody's going to look back and say, okay, Steven was missing the mark here. So let's yeah. build, let's, let's, let's go higher towards Jesus off of where he was or off of where this generation was. So I think it's this constant, mm-hmm. constant process of God bringing the gold out of the, you know, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. the so yeah, I don't know. I try to do that. I even go back and do a lot of old hymns and just, you know, for my, my own desires to just kind of redeem those things and, you know. Mm-hmm. So how, how do you, cause I know it's so hard leading in those situations consistently leading worship that there are a lot of times where you have that day where you're just not feeling it. And yet this is a sacred moment for a lot of people. And so what, what yeah. is that like for you when you have to, I guess it comes back to that honesty, maintain honesty when you know you're going to have to stand up again and sing those same songs. And yes, you believe these truths, but man, today I'm not feeling those truths quite like I do on other nights. What do you do with that? Well, you know, it, it really comes back to work works versus grace like do i do i believe that if i'm perfect in every way emotionally and mentally when i get on this stage it'll then god will move then it's dependent <laughs> on me but if right. i if i come at it from the angle of i'm saved by grace even when i think i'm at my best i'm still not yes the I'm fullness the of what he's yeah. called me to do so I've had times where I've literally was in the back room, like going, ah, I hate this. I don't want to do this. And, I, ah, and come out on stage and 30 people get saved. And not yeah. because I acted fake. I just came out and I just worshiped, shared the gospel. Uh, and he did it. And why? Not because of me. It's because he does it. Um, one of my favorite scriptures, though, for worship leaders and people listening right now, and honestly, anybody in general, is Philippians um, 2.13. It says, it's God in you, giving you the desire and the power to do the things that please him. There's so much grace on that verse. If you Mm -hmm. unpack it, you know, it's God in you giving you the desire. That's the longings you don't have yet. The want to, you don't have yet. And it says the power, which is the ability to accomplish things to further his glory that you can't do. So it's this constant reminder of like, I'm not saved by grace and I'll take it from here, Lord. I'm mm-hmm. saved by grace and I'm just going to be like along for the ride for the rest of my life, you know? So you seem to subscribe to the fact that the Holy Spirit leads people into truth and not Stephen. How odd. <laughs> <laughs> look, man, uh, if at any point in our life we look back over our lives and go, oh, you know, 20 years ago, everything I believed, I believe exactly the same now, I'd be a liar and you would be too. Mm-hmm. So all that keeps saying to me is, except for the Jesus is Lord, <laughs> you know, yeah, like right. fundamentals, those haven't changed. So apply that to eternity. If God's ways are not our ways, there are so many things you and I think right now that we are 100% wrong about. Mm-hmm. 100%. And only from eternity will we see the full width of that. And then his grace gets even more amazing. You know, (laughs) it's like, oh my gosh, I was so off and you still let me do this. It's crazy. Yeah. All right. 
You know, oh, go ahead, Stephen, uh, you know, you're described as a worship leader and an artist, and certainly you are those things. But what I'm hearing is I'm hearing the heart of an evangelist. Uh, and, yeah, it's a big part of me. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I struggle, I'm also a preacher's kid. And uh, uh, Hey, and let me say long- this. Let me say this real yeah. quick, Nathan, and, and just the Lord ended up actually mending my relationship with my father yeah. the best that he could, considering. Uh-huh. I actually yeah. let my father baptize me and my wife, and he ended up performing our wedding ceremony. Wow. So I want you guys to hear that um, yeah. because the redemption story of the Lord in someone's life is like a pebble in the ocean that starts out as a ripple and becomes a tsunami that yeah. starts covering parts of your life you would never imagine it would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry I interrupted you, but as we were going to no, talk no, more no, about no. that, I wanted to throw that in. Yeah, yeah. Well, I had this, you know, or especially early in recovery, and I was just coming to terms with my addiction and how messed up my life was. And I was very much in a victim kind of blaming mode and really angry at my father. Yeah. Um, and really focusing on what he hadn't done for me. Right. But when I, uh, not long ago, I listened to an old sermon of his, and I was listening to the cadence of his voice. And I'm recognizing it because, holy crap, that's where I learned to do this. Yeah. All right? Yeah. And, uh, and, totally. and, I'm, and, and I'm hearing the, yeah, he was messed up, but. Hell, I'm messed up, and there, uh, there was there's sincerity I can hear in his voice, and I've got a whole lot of gratitude now. Yeah, for my for my old man, and for yeah. uh, you know the legacy that I carry. Sure. And uh, yeah, but that's it was huge, a long mate. time coming. Yeah, it was a long yeah, time coming, bro. I think that's something people will unpack most of their life and you'll know, just little layers by layers. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I won't pretend to have that worked out, but it's all good. You know, God's doing his thing. Yeah, I love yeah. that. I love hearing that. Did you have, uh, did you grow up with siblings? Yeah. Yeah. I have an older brother and a, a younger sister. Like, um, yeah. So, so, so tell me about like, here you start down this path at 13 that, that, probably shocking in many ways to your family. Like what was the, the relationship between that 13 and 17 when things are really spiraling out of control? And then give me a little more about that coming back together and, and what God did to heal those broken pieces. Um, with my family in general yep. or yeah, with your, with your parents, with your siblings. Cause I know it's hard for siblings yeah. to watch, a brother go through that. Well, my sister was in drugs and everything too. I mean, we were all just like a hot mess. So, you know, oh, really? <laughs> so, yeah. but yeah. my sister actually got saved first and she was praying for me a lot. She was one of those people praying for me and mm-hmm. played a big part in um, me coming to the Lord. So, yeah. Um, and my brother's older brother. So, you know, we stay connected and he cared about me. So it was good. And my yeah. mom's awesome. And yeah, the Lord ended up redeeming my relationship with my father. It took a minute. But uh, when you've, I don't know, you know, what I encountered with Jesus that morning, man, it, that three o'clock in the morning thing was so like mm-hmm. crazy. <laughs> like, yeah. I just, yeah. I felt like a wild man running out of that room going, oh my gosh, he's real. It's all real. <laughs> I mean, this is, yeah. you know, yeah. so, yeah. 
So some things that you might look at through a like more of a counseling mindset, they shift a little bit. Not that there's not counseling to be done for you know years to come, but I'm not against counseling. But for yeah. whatever reason, it's like, I don't know. I guess I got kind of a glimpse of the forever of it all, you know? And yeah, um, yeah just kind of shift stuff. But yeah, that you got was, the, go okay. ahead. No, it's okay, Nathan. Yeah, no, you got that beautiful John Wesley, uh, Charles Finney, uh, Bill Wilson moment. I mean, boy, that just <laughs> you got that. I would you have got much rather by the enormous all. Yeah, hmm? I would have much rather have the testimony of I grew up in a Christian home, never did drugs, love yeah. Jesus, and I've always been. Good. People are like, man, I love your testimony. It's like, well, you wish you'd have been a meth addict. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like, uh, it's great. Yeah, God uses it, but um, you know, yeah. Well, yeah. we've said it. We've said it before here that there. People are attracted to radical change testimonies where something big happens and they're jealous of it. I was jealous of it as a kid going to camps, hearing about these things, or when I got to see one of my heroes, Nikki Cruz, talk at the fairgrounds. But all I had was sure. a big picture testimony where I had God's fingerprints on my life through the people that loved me. But I didn't awesome. understand that everybody that has a radical change testimony after that change has to enter into the same big picture testimony of, so what does God look like every day now, not just in that moment? Mm -hmm. And that right. that is deep and important and beautiful, as beautiful. The sustaining power of the gospel is as beautiful as those dynamic radical moments. Right. Yeah. So uh, you're married, uh, but you travel a lot. Does that get tough? Well, uh, the way I travel is different um, than others. I used to do 230-some-odd dates a year prior to the pandemic. Oh, oh Stephen. Oh. Yeah, so, I mean, I've this is what I've done. But now I, I'm just trying to be more spirit-led in the way I make decisions. So uh, mm -hmm. God's been really good. I mean, I'm booked all 2023 and parts of 2024, and it's all like it's, it's as much as I want to. I've made it okay. very clear that I'm only doing like so many dates a month, maybe just mm -hmm. a couple of weekends a month, you know. Um, so, yeah, cool. so a lot of some overseas, that kind of stuff, but it gets – and I get to take my wife with me. I get to take my kids with me some. It's God's been good. It's awesome. Awesome. So yeah. tell us, how can people connect with you, who you are, your music? Uh, yeah. What, what's going on? Where do they look you up? How do they find you? Um, Worshipjesus.life. Not .com, .life. That'll get you to everything. Okay. It's easier okay. than spelling my name, so let's do it that way. Yeah, <laughs> very good. <laughs> well, we appreciate you hanging out with us today, and I mm -hmm. I have really enjoyed listening to your music the last couple of days and getting yeah, me too. With it. Yeah, 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 great stuff. You you've got that Kentucky feel going on with these songs, so I recommended uh, yeah. it to a few country loving uh, friends of mine, and they enjoyed it yeah. too. So thanks thanks for that. The blessings yeah. trickled down. There you go. Well, it was good talking with you guys. It's really good. Okay. All right, um, listeners, stay you. tuned. We've got more coming up here on the Pirate Monk Podcast.
Welcome back to the Pirate Monk Podcast. I am just sitting here in in the break. I was thinking about the the emotions topic that got brought up and how important it was for me because I grew up in such an anti-emotional church. The opposite of yours. Yeah. It it was just all mm-hmm, right in the head and emotions can't be trusted. Yeah. And the reason that I was given at a young age was you could go see a horror movie in a theater and feel terrified, but you are completely safe. See emotions just lie to you. And that was the, yeah, that was the entirety yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. And it, it took me a long time. Uh, it was really some, some stuff John Piper taught that I finally realized how, irrational and untrue that was and allowed myself to yeah. say no it's okay if i'm feeling emotions there's right reasons i should be feeling overwhelmed and joyful while singing these words of a song for instance because music was mm-hmm, mm-hmm. super to not be trusted the music was manipulating you and then throwing words on top of it but it's mm-hmm. it's just not true. And I was so much the better for allowing for the truth of that while still being aware that my emotions can be manipulated. So what, what Mm -hmm. was your journey out of such an emotional, emotionally charged environment in the pen, in the Pentecostal tradition and then coming out of that and then reconnecting to emotions in a right and true way? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, there are emotionally healthy Pentecostals. I'm sure there are. I mean, I have some, I, there are some in my family, mm-hmm. uh, f- folks that I know, they're just wonderful, wonderful people who are, you know, emotionally healthy, emotionally connected. I, uh, we weren't in our family. I wasn't. And I reacted against the emotional stuff. I wasn't, I guess I was told that emotions, nah. No, I don't know that I was told that emotions weren't to be trusted. I got that message later, but I kind of made the, I concluded early on uh, that I was going to be rational. I'm going to be a thinker. And so I gravitated toward trying to think my way through life. And uh, sometimes was a little bit shamed for that, for being, you know, uh, uh, an egghead. Uh, it was kind of an anti-intellectual tradition that I was raised in. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that was just a bad path to go down because when I got to recovery, I really thought that I just had to change my thinking in order to change my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Completely unaware of the fact that almost every emotion, uh, almost every decision I make, I make for an emotional reason. That emotional wiring, that implicit memory and that implicit learning is so much faster than what's taking place in the cerebral cortex. Uh, I'm, I'm making decisions before I'm even aware I've made them. Uh, and it's driven by emotion enough. I'm not aware of what I'm feeling. I am just going to constantly be surprising myself doing things I don't expect consciously to do because I'm an emotional being. I really am. So uh, learning to reconnect, get back in the river of emotion, be aware of where I am emotionally. 
so that I don't make foolish emotional decisions as uh, as as uh, often as uh, I did in the past. It, yeah. Awareness makes me less impulsive, but I'm still able now, I think, much more than I was in the past, able to fully engage in whatever it is I decide to do, because I'm not just there intellectually. I can be there more wholeheartedly. Well, let's throw out another weird aspect of this. Before I was aware that I was a control freak and thus manipulating situations, I didn't realize that it was much easier to keep myself from being controlled by others and manipulate them using sadness, shame, anger, or fear. And that joy, Mm -hmm. the emotion of joy was by far the most vulnerable emotion. And so the command to rejoice in the Lord always, I say it again, rejoice, which is the outward Mm -hmm. expression of Mm -hmm. joy. I hated mm-hmm. that verse. It killed me. Yeah. Whole book of Philippians, way too much rejoicing in it. But yeah, the reason yeah. I felt so uncomfortable, I have found, is that for me to allow myself to not just work on sadness or anger, or those types of emotions, to actually be present mm-hmm. in joy is probably the most vulnerable I will ever be. Wow. And, and yet joy seems wow. like, well, that's the one where, you know, that's the easy one. No, it's yeah. not. That should be the easy one. I don't think one. it is easy. Yeah. I don't think it's easy for most people. It certainly isn't mm. for me. Mm. And, mm. and it's not even mm. that I'm a mopey person. I'm a very optimistic person. I'm not cynical. Mm-hmm. I'm not pessimistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just want to keep that joy inside. Yes. Yeah. Right. Wow. So. Yeah, that's a weird one for me as far as emotions go. So, yeah, what a bunch of weeks we've been talking about emotions recently. We're always talking about emotions. Mm -hmm. Evidently, they're important. I don't know. So I have heard. (laughs) But I need to find a good book that tells me because I got to wrap I got (laughs) to wrap my mind around that. (laughs) Nice. Well, yeah. Uh, hey, this has been another nice conversation, and we have uh, plenty more to come, Aaron. Plenty more to come. And that's one thing I really appreciate about you. I don't have to uh, force you into conversation or pry answers out of you. Uh, in fact, you're you're very good at prying answers out of me uh, and our guests as well. So I appreciate that about you. Well, dude. I appreciate it. I say too much too often. But thank you. <laughs> uh, listeners, hey, uh, we'd love to hear from you as well. So um, we don't want to you know, pry answers out of you, but we would love some feedback on the show. Any reactions, any suggestions, even any criticisms, you can send them to piratemonkpodcast at gmail.com. Well, that's it for this episode of the show. Until next time, I'm Nate. I'm Aaron. And we are your pals on the Pirate Monk Podcast. The Pirate Monk Podcast is produced by members of the Samson Society. Send your feedback or questions to piratemonkpodcast at gmail.com. Please give us a five-star review on iTunes and share the podcast with a friend. For more information, please visit samsonsociety.com.